welcome to First Class Cities, a podcast where learning about the people and programs that make communities, large and small alike, more livable and more lovable. I'm Pete Olson, the town manager in Yorktown, Indiana, and with me is Clay Johnson, the city administrator for Lincoln, Illinois. So, Clay, we're off to episode number four of the podcast. For for those who thought and there was an over-under, I think it was three and a half, so we're at the over now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, fairly humorous uh, as we talk about it. I'm like, man, number four, I didn't, I'm not sure I thought I'd get past two. So, <laughs> um, so, so we're having a good time, and, uh, you know, I think the next couple episodes are going to be... Uh, if I get my way, and, and obviously we'll, we'll continue to talk about some of the things uh, that, that are lovable, but uh, for, for today's episode, uh, the goal is maybe to talk about some things that, I, uh, that we see coming here in the future. And, and as you know, um, one of the things that I love to talk about is technology and how that is affecting how cities are um, developing and what they're utilizing and what how it's going to make people uh, more lovable uh, or more more in love with their community, and so right. And not to mention not to mention outreach. I mean that's the through the social media aspects and more client relationship right. type and, management and so, programs. You know, I think outreach that's what is we'll a big spend, deal uh, when it comes this to technology episode too. On and then, you know, I still have this dream, and, and one of the things I, I'm going to try and do is uh, uh, one of the guys I travel with that's a friend of mine here uh, is I'd like to bring him in and have him sit down with us and talk a little bit about some of the weird things we do when we travel to other cities. And, and uh, you know, we mentioned last in the last episode about Casey, Illinois, and how they've got the world's largest rocking chair and wind chimes and golf tee and they've kind of made that their niche uh, of world's largest and so um I, not to preview too much what's coming up but uh, that to me is in addition to technology these are two of my favorite subjects because um those kitschy things man i i am i, I am attracted to them like a moth to to you know a flame I, I will if I see something five miles off the road. It's uh, it's Clark w, w. Griswold. Hey, you know if we don't do this, we're we, you know we're not going to see the world's largest ball of twine. So, um, so with that being said, <laughs> let's go back to the technology part. And so let's because this this niche thing, I don't know. I'm I, I'm a little I'm a little worried. Yeah. So 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 I think. The technology aspect, and and so you mentioned here just really early on uh, how we're utilizing the social media, and we've talked about it a little bit before for engagement, but I think that's a good place to start, and not just large communities, and I think there are good examples of large communities that have effectively used social media to start outreach, and I think one of them, uh, Kansas City, Missouri, is is really good about that. But I know in Yorktown, and I know in Lincoln, and other communities, we have found a tremendous value in just the simple Facebook and Twitter accounts um, talking about things that are going on or making and 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 the biggest one that blows up in Yorktown is we've got a lost dog and we want to return it and I, I get shares um, just a share number and when I say I the town gets a share number that is just unbelievable and so we went so far as the, this last year to actually create a new position in town we've got an assistant to the town manager um, and, and one of the things that I've turned over to Todd is is a lot of excuse me is a lot of our social media stuff and and it's that kind of engagement that when we start to look at the demographics of our community, we know that thirty um, the thirty year old childbearing age years uh, is is a popular demographic, and those people are on. The social media accounts and they like getting their news that way and so um, for us it, it doesn't even have to be that large community and it's not necessarily putting out information that is is driving how government operates it is just creating community 
And so, you know, my question to you, and let's start with the social media, is how, how important is it, one, in today's day and age, to make sure that you utilize that, but two, what is the best tool? Because I'm going to come back with a second question. How do you aggregate all of the tools? And, and the, the reason I ask that is because not only do you have Facebook and Twitter, but you've also got Nextdoor and you've got Slack or Quick or, or all these other ones. And so how do you get it so that you reach the largest population? Population. So let's go back to the first question. You know, how important is it? What's the, what are the best ways and, and items you, you're going to communicate on or, or communicate on social media? And how do you drive that engagement? Well, I, I think that just from our communities perspective social media to me is very important and and we don't even do that good of a job if you ask me we could we could really improve in our social media uh, outreach component we just don't seem to quite do it as frequently enough um, to really get the type of coverage that I'd like for us to get so that being said I do believe it important I do believe that it's important to um, keep a very active social media presence. It's really it really comes down to the demographic, like you're talking about, how they receive their information. And we're, we're this isn't new to anybody, but we're now seeing that people of an older generation tend to get their news from newspapers, whereas the younger generation is moving away from print media. So to simply put all your eggs into a print media basket or all your eggs on the on the other side into the social media aspect, somebody's going to get left out. And it's important. I think the importance is not necessarily in the use of the tool, and that, that's probably arguable, but it's important to know the demographics, the makeup of your community, and use whatever tools at your disposal to get your message out in front of them. So with, with what you're saying, and I, and I agree with you completely, and I, and I think I mentioned you know, our demographic, um, and, and one of the demographics that I know by heart, and I will often repeat when we're talking, is that um, we are one of the few counties or, or not counties, communities growing in East Central Indiana. And we're growing because the number of people that are in their childbearing years and then the number of children ages 0 to 7 is increasing in our census tract information. And so what that tells me, and, and it tells me a number of things, but one is, is I know we have a great school system, and that's, it's an extremely important part. But it tells me that, that I need to be able to communicate with them um, in the fashion that they want to communicate. And so you've said it, is knowing that. With that all being said, I, we have an older population, whether it's grandparents or folks that have lived in our community for a number of years, and what they're seeing is, is our local newspaper is dying. And in fact, um, we had a weekly newspaper that was being printed and delivered. And they actually quit uh, printing that last year and have now gone completely online. And so what we hear is, well, we don't ever know what's going on because there's nothing in, in a newspaper about it that we don't read. So... With that being said, the next initiative that we've taken and, and is not just with the social media, but we're also trying to do, um, we try to do a biweekly newsletter, and it's called What's Happening in Yorktown. And so we're trying to generate a new email list uh, where people come in and they sign up for it and they can go online and sign up for it. And I know it's not the same as a newspaper, but it is something that is a tool that seems to be a little bit more user-friendly to the older demographic. And so, again, it goes back to that second question of, of you know, what is the most important tool? And maybe there isn't an important tool. It now means that you've got to diversify your strategy because you've got diversified age groups, diversified populations. 
I want to focus on smaller communities as we go go through this entire discussion, uh, or not just focus on them, but uh, you know, these emerging emerging things may come a little bit later to smaller communities, but I think they have a bigger impact in smaller communities because smaller communities have that tight knit feel, and in my opinion, social media gives you the 24 hours tight knit feeling. So instead of having the block party or sitting out on the front porch and having somebody come over for tea, you've now got it 24 seven on your iPhone or, or, or whatever else. And we all know we're looking at it all the time. So I think it, it starts to create that, that community feel. And I think if it's utilized in the right way, people love it. I think that you're probably hitting around you're circling an idea and a topic that I believe is um, not only relevant to this discussion, but it, it, it points to what first-class cities do to me, and I think to you and, and hopefully those that are in our field and those that live in these communities, first-class cities engage their populace. And they do that not only through the social media, but in a lot of different aspects. And they utilize that input to drive decisions and and to drive spending and and things of that nature. So I think that's really the, if you want to talk about a thesis of today's discussion, I think we're looking towards what, what is that pinnacle of first class city? What do they do to get messages out to their constituents, but also make that a, a two way street. So, in taking that a step further, if this were a presentation with a PowerPoint screen, I think that there are three critical aspects to social media or regular media on the outreach side of things and how they best work. And the first thing about communication with your population that makes it work would be constant contact. And not, and I'm not talking about the actual form and, and company that does that, but you have to be consistently engaging that population. When you say that your newsletter is bi-weekly, it has to be bi-weekly, on the dot, every time people expect it. And same with your social media posts. Even if your post is a picture of budding leaves outside of your city hall, and you talk about how great it is to be in your community, that post still is relevant to someone. It might trigger a little bit of emotion when they read it, but you're still staying ever-present in your, your community's mind. And that's I guess, probably leads into the second point, which is relevance. That message has to be relevant um, to whomever may want to read it. So not only do you have to be consistently doing it, but it, it can't just always be about sewers or it can't just be about road closures. You kind of have to diversify it so that you can get different people engaged in what you're saying. And keeping that two-way would be great too. And the third point is one that we kind of already talked about is making sure that the message that you uh, try to convey is done in the right media. So you have to find your audience. You have to utilize that media correctly to best get your point across, whether it's a press release for um, those who like to utilize print media or it's just a picture and a video of somebody talking about uh, a downtown project or a road project or how to stay safe um, in when, when you're jogging at night. You know, you have to tailor your message to the right format. So with those three, I think you can best be successful in engaging your population and keeping them informed of different ideas using uh, or different concepts using different media. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I and I think and, and so here's one of the reasons I think it's important that small towns harness harness this. These are free. The only cost you have is the time and energy that you put into them. And so, you know, in today's world where we all carry a cell phone uh, that has a camera or, uh, or we're sitting at the computer, you know, they're free 
they're schedulable so that you can hit it you can look at the at the various statistics and when people are online and viewing your stuff and you can make sure that you're targeting them and so with a little effort and I'm not saying that there isn't a cost to time but even the smallest communities if they use it on that regular consistent basis as you've mentioned they're free and there isn't a cost and that is the difference between the social media and the newspaper um, if you will, because you don't have to pay or you don't have to depend on the writer getting the story done to get it in the next edition, which is going to come out before the event. So so I, I think there's a, a broad opportunity. And, and there's people out there who are really skilled at it. I think this goes to a whole nother discussion of, you know, managers and, and those who are supervisors of putting people in the right place to make sure they that they succeed. There are people who are so brilliant with social media. I don't know how else, how else to put it. They they can visualize a situation or a scene or a scenario and they instantly think this is a great post for social media. And it's weird. I am of what I would consider that generation. I mean, I was a sophomore in college when Facebook came out and I, I feel like I'm pretty attuned to it, but my mind does not work in that fashion. I just am not able to step out or kind of pull myself away from the current situation and say, hey, maybe this will be something good for XYZ citizen to be a part of. And it just it just doesn't cross my mind. So again, it's people recognizing what's good for social media, even when you're in the situation currently. So, so let me ask this. Do you have champions in your city that love their community that you can engage with that will maybe pick that up? And, and Because we all know that the detractors are out there, and they're just as savvy. But is there somebody, you know, and, and so this is, and, and where I'm ultimately going with this is, is one of the articles that I, I was looking at today was from Mashable, and it says 25 technologies that every smart city should have. And and one of them is, you know, we'll talk about open data and um, and a couple other that I think are really interesting. But 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 part of this is is allowing everybody to have their turn in the role of of provider of community information. And so um, it, it, it's not, and, and this is where the two-way is important, it's not just Clay Johnson or Pete Olson knowing about an event, it's about somebody else knowing about it and being able to share with their friend what's going on in your community. But there's a, there's a definite corollary and negative to that exact same thing, and this is something I struggle with in my current role is that for every good post that is out there, there's going to be a negative post almost directly associated with it, if not a comment on that exact same thing that you're trying to promote. Um, so I struggle with how do you balance that or how do you try to curtail that before it ever occurs? And, and, and so in my world... And maybe not in my world, but but I I, I think it's a good question. But I I guess I'm going to ask the question is, you know, you go back to is any bad press or is any press bad press or is it all good press because your name's out in the press? Um, yeah, there's always going to be the rumor mongers, but at least in our community, I think most people realize who those and I won't I, and maybe rumor mongers the wrong word but those people that are always going to have well that's never going to work mentality or that's that's just the government trying to do something again um, whereas you'll have the five or six and and I can I can count five or six people on my uh, on my hand who you know when we post something uh, are gonna are gonna be the first to say yeah man I love this or they're gonna share it with their friends and and if you get enough of that positive, we always have to listen to the negative comments, but if enough of the community is enjoying and going forward, isn't that what first class cities are about? We've engaged them, we've given them the opportunity to share and be part of it and, and to enjoy it, and 
now and now yeah you're always going to have somebody that says oh I, this is worthless or we shouldn't be doing it but everybody else is like yeah this is great and i guess i guess that's true um i i still struggle with that i guess also and you know the two-way street aspect of it is is difficult um so i try to make as many when we do post, I try to be as positive about it as, poss- as possible and as straightforward about it as possible so that people don't try to believe that there's some type of hidden agenda or whatever they may construe in their mind from the message. So I guess that maybe maybe going back to my earlier point about the consistency, you know, who who almost cares if there's negative responses to what you post Hopefully, within a matter of hours, you've got another one there that just pushes it down and you promote something else on top of it. It's, it's almost like a, a, an arms race that you're just trying to, you're going to just keep putting all that good message out there and all that relevant information out there and drown out everything else. No, I, and I, I think you're right. And, and I, but I, I, I go back to those champions and those people that are going to like it. And I think they help you in the long run. And I think as you build up that goodwill um, and you've shown the engagement with those other other people that uh, that you'll get that. And so, you know, there's two things. And, and you talk about it's, it's just always promoting the positivity. And I think there's something to be said about that. I, I think as we look at good communities – there's always going to be a pothole somewhere that could be filled, and we understand that, and we want to fix those potholes. Um, another one's going to come up. But the other things that make cities fun to live in, and the ones that we're familiar with, the ones that we're trying to lead, it means that we're doing things that are engaging those people. And 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 it, and it is. It, you know, I mean, we could go in this big, vicious circle. We've got to engage them at all levels, and we've got to make sure that they get out to the actual events and, and everything else. But the, it, it is just the continual promotion and the continual push of the information out there. So, so switching gears, and I, I'm going to switch in two ways, but the first one is, is I have a question. Does Clay Johnson have an alternate personality when Clay Johnson posts as the city of Lincoln <laughs> um, compared to Clay Johnson's? And, What's wrong with and, my personality? And, Are you saying that this personality and, would not be well, great you know, for you know, social media? I, no, no, no. no <laughs> I don't think that. I, I, I think more so than anything, I'm just asking the question because I have noticed, and, and, and I think we've all noticed with it, whether it's the election or, or just some of the divisiveness at the national level, I noticed that I don't post as much on Facebook as I used to, which, and Facebook is my preferred social media site. Um, but when I do, I try to make sure it is positive. It's probably positive family. Um, so, you know, it's a picture of my dog or my wife or... Um, or friends, um, and I don't post a lot of information about the t- town of Yorktown on my personal site, and and but we still utilize Facebook. And so, you know, I guess my question is: is are there different personalities, and is that something that we as managers have to struggle with? Um, so, so that's my first question. I think there is absolutely a tone that you have to have when you post on social media and you have to do it. um, I don't want to call it anonymously, but it has to be somewhat neutral because I I can actually give an example. There was a post that I made on Facebook. Usually I'd say 80% of our city of Lincoln posts are me. Um, And I wrote this post and at a meeting that night, the media came up to me and said something about that post and commented that it was absolutely me who wrote it. And I said, well, how do you know that? And they said, well, it was written in your style. And I go, oh, so people who know, you know, how I write my memos or how I talk, they can gauge in the social media posts that it's me or not. So, and, 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 and I agree with that. And, and, um, and I think that, is understandable. So, but do you think that's a bad thing? Maybe. 
I don't, and I'm not sure how I can answer that. It's not a very good, maybe it's not a very good answer, but I think that, I think that not everybody wants to hear from their manager. Does that make sense? Sure. Because yeah. in, in, for example, in an emergency, nobody really wants to hear from their manager. They want to hear from their top elected official or, or someone else. And it's not good enough to be just some bureaucrat. You need to hear somebody else. And I think that gets across better if you can kind of disguise the tone. I agree. I think there is a benefit to disguising the tone. But on the same hand, I don't know that I see the negative. Um, yeah, there, there are definitely times when there is a, 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 an elected official that's going to need to speak or, um, or, or that the tone of the manager is going to come out. And, and I don't want to use the word authoritarian, but the tone of the manager has got to be, you know, we're dealing with, X situation and X fashion, and and that's what we're doing. But on the same hand, I I think sometimes it's good that uh, that we as managers show our personality, and and it can come through. Um, I want to be excited about what's positive in our community, just as much as I want the people who live in our community to be positive. And so, uh, I don't always find it bad uh, and and I'm going to I'm going to brag about our firefighters this last weekend they had um their annual 5k race and and they raised $3000 for a uh, for a a tricycle program that donates tricycles to developmentally disabled children and, and and I mean it literally brought a tear to my eyes because they brought one of the young children down to give him his bike for Christmas and and you know I'm proud of those guys and gals, uh, and and they are, um, man, you know they work hard at it. And and what what is what is really, you know, what really gets me is is these are the same people that volunteer to run into the to the fire or to go to the car scene accident and deal with that. But they also are are caring about our community, and and so if I want the rest of our residents to feel that, I want them to feel the passion that I have and, the, and how proud we are of those folks. And so I think there can be, even if it is my style, so, so what? We should all be proud of what they're doing. And maybe that's the greater point. Maybe it's just better to, to have the right message and say it the right way than to care about the syntax or the, the way that it's presented. It's really about the message and hopefully, again, relevant to the to the reader and consistent to where they can expect it okay so i want to leave social media and and not because it's not important but i think it's something that we all talk about and we all we all know how to utilize or, or we all want to learn how to utilize and, and do it better and it's a good engagement tool but one of the one of the technologies that was mentioned in one of the articles that that i uh, sent out today was um was really interesting to me and and it was an app that had been developed in a larger community that allows people in Boston and Honolulu to adopt city property and it could be sim- as simple as a trash can so that the city doesn't have to spend the money sending personnel to to take care of that trash can because somebody else has already adopted that and I think to myself, how really cool is that inside uh, the context of citizen engagement and citizen pride? And so now I'm starting to go, okay, how do we, how do we put that into a smaller community? Because the app is the easy thing to build. It is how do we generate the pride? And, and Let's be honest, we're not going to start with the trash can unless somebody's got a smelly trash can sitting on a corner. That's not the one we're worried about. But I think where I see it is, is, you know, maybe there's an arts community that's saying, hey, you guys spend money every year painting a fire hydrant. We'd like to change the way you paint fire hydrants, but we'll do the, the work for free. And so I think there are programs like that that are, that are coming out. And so what other neat ideas for adopting... Um, you know, using technology to engage 
community, so an artist colony community or an arts and I call it a colony, and that's probably an old terminology, but a group of artists that have have got a Facebook page or or are active in social media. How do you how do you, how do you engage those guys? You know, are are there other examples of that that you can think of that would be very easy to to put in place? My my head didn't go towards the artistic side of things. Mine actually went to one that we we kind of I don't want to say experimented with, but toyed around with. Um, at, at my previous position, and that's um, storm drains and gutters. And what we were throwing around was utilizing our geographic information system, our GIS, um, to identify um, grates and drains that, that are near homes, and whether or not they get clogged with leaves and brush and trash, um, allowing people to adopt that drain and the city could provide them with i don't know a raincoat some gloves a a rake a shovel and they're responsible for cleaning that grate when when they can look outside and see that it's clogged and it's flooding the street you could use that gis system to assign someone to that role and provide them with the tools and when an, a rain event occurs, clean out the drain, and on you go, and the water drains, and it works for everybody. So I wasn't necessarily in the social media, and it wasn't necessarily in the arts world, but I think there's a very practical use for adopting certain points of city property. And and so the, the technology there being some of the open source data and so that's probably what it goes back to and it's also and the technology and the internet of things is this um you know the internet of knowing where all these public infrastructure pieces are uh through that gis and literally you know if if you've got that online on your phone you can share a coordinate and they can walk within what a foot and a half of it and in your case a a a storm drain or in my case a fire hydrant you should be able to walk right to it and 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 know which one you're at and everything else i I think that's great so so you had talked about it and i assume that was while you were in munster that you were talking about doing that has anything been put in place do you know is it something that you guys have considered there in lincoln is it um something that you've seen somewhere else to my knowledge um no it hasn't been done in munster um and Lincoln, we're not quite to that level. In fact, we don't have local GIS. Our GIS is controlled by the controlled, ran by the county, um, and they and we kind of split that service. Um, so that's probably on down the road for where we are now. But I know there are communities that have done a very similar program. I can't recall them. Sure, but. You know, and and this leads me to a point not to be the Debbie Downer when it comes to adopting city property and volunteerism, that's a little bit worrisome on the maintenance side of things. Trash cans get full, and then it's incumbent upon the person who adopts it to constantly be aware that that occurs. And if if they're willing and able and and diligent about it, then all the better. But you know as well as I do that there are those who have that gung-ho attitude when they start, but a year later, six months later, they're just not into it anymore because life happens and that that gusto kind of fades away. So, you know, there's a, there's a downside to this as well. Now, the maintenance side where you try to beautify things, the fire hydrants like you talk about, I think is a, a fantastic idea. Yeah, so and, and and I agree with you, but I'm going to throw this caveat out there. So maybe maybe you set it up and three fourths of it works, and only a quarter of it doesn't work at these storm drains. Haven't you still saved some effort and made yourself more responsive to those quarter of the drains that people aren't getting done? And, you know, life happens for everybody. You know, not everybody's going to be home at every rain event or not everybody's going to be home um, when something happens. But so so you may be able to do it. But so so the next step of the Internet 
the Internet of Things is going to be sensors and putting sensors in roads or putting sensors in storm drains that, that tell you when you're starting to have backups or floods or, or icy conditions or whatever else. So, you know, as we combine, and, and I think as first-class cities, as they combine those efforts with volunteerism and, and something that millennials have shown a desire to be involved with is, is some of that volunteerism. And, and, um, and, and I pick on the millennials because sometimes uh, those of us in older generations aren't, we're still worried about raising kids, um, but the, the millennial population has said, no, we want to be involved. Here's that opportunity, and it makes us more responsive and maybe even more efficient. So, you know, I know there's always the downside to it, but is there is there not justification to look past the downside of it? Well, I guess, and gosh, I'm feeling like a real grouch, but yes, I, I do believe that there would be those individuals in the storm drain case who stick to it for longer than a year. But can we truly expect for people to stay on top of every storm drain for years and years to come? So I, I guess that's kind of not really question, but can what are we supposed to do? Well, can you evolve? I, I, and, you know, I think with everything, though, can't you evolve it? Doesn't doesn't that become the key is, you know, not only did, you know, this year we provided a raincoat and the rake, but maybe two years from now we provided a, uh, a $50 gift certificate to Chili's downtown and, and told them to, to, to go have a dinner on us or whatever else. And, and isn't that better in the long run for the, for the general t- taxpayer or utility payer? But the person's going to argue that I think that there's an argument there to be said I'm paying these quote-unquote high taxes or quote-unquote high utility rates. You should be taking care of that. Well, and my response would be is you're paying them, but they'd be more if we had to hire more staff. So isn't there, you know, the argument can always be made on taxes or utility fees that they could be more, and and justifiably so. I'm not saying that we just raise taxes or 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 utility fees willy-nilly because we feel like people aren't doing what they should be doing. We raise them because there are additional costs. And so if, if we're able to save dollars by putting these sensors in and having these volunteers go out and deal with them, doesn't that save costs in the long run? I, th- I think that's a, you know, it, it's coming down the pipe. And it, and it also shows that community pride. See, my bent would be more towards one of Let's figure out how to do this smarter and utilize technology to our benefit so that we can target these areas before it ever occurs rather than the, depend on the, the gumption of someone to get out in the middle of a rainstorm and, storm and clean a drain. Um, and I think that might be where you're going long term. Yeah, and I think fair enough. You know, I, I'm probably playing a little bit of the bait and mouse um, um, here, so so let's let's throw out one one of the going with that same article. Um, so so the next concept was kind of interesting, and and it talks a little bit about those sensors and everything else. But it was called pay as you go garbage disposal, <laughs> and 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 so if you recycled, it was free, but as you um, as, as you paid or as you tried to throw something away you ended up paying for it and so the ultimate goal is to is for a more sustainable planet um but but you know the goal here is to keep plastic water bottles out of landfills and and so there's where the sensors come in because you know it it's somehow we're gonna have to have something that says yeah that can be recycled or no that actually is a piece of trash and we've got to throw it away but most things can be recycled so it is almost the converse of what we do is is trash customers now you know it's cheap to throw something away but whenever we talk about adding recycling options it gets more expensive are we headed with the right technology to where that's flipped and will that be the kind of thing that makes community smarter. 
I'd like to, I'd like to have researched this more. Um, it would have been interesting to see in today's economy how that works from a practical side, because you're aware and many of us are aware that recycling glass is just not economical anymore. There's, there's even economists and um, ecologists out there who argue the, that the energy production to recycle glass is more harmful than just throwing it into the trash. Um, so it would just be interesting to know how this works um, on, a, on a micro level. But I guess that's, that's a very interesting point. It just can blow up in terms of how long we could talk about this. But utilizing technology in a way that forces you into a certain behavior. You know, going back to our previous podcast where we talked about um, amenities and communities that are quote-unquote driving you towards a certain action or behavior, we 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 kind of poo-pooed that. We kind of said, no, that's not what's happening here. You can choose to do it or choose, or not, or choose not to do it. In this case, they're saying you have to do this. Otherwise, you're going to pay a fee. And it kind of stretches to the um, the soda taxes that we're starting to see in some right. of the larger communities in the United States. You know, we want you to drink diet or we want you to drink water. But if you drink this Coke and you get fat, you're going to pay for it. So it's it's an interesting day and age that we live in that we're, we're legislating a certain type of behavior. And... I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but there definitely seems to be a push in that direction. Yeah, and and I think that's true. And I, and I think it, and it does have to. It comes back to the use of technology, and we we know now how to be more efficient in a lot of ways because there's resources that tell us that. Um, although we're still learning, as you said, you know the the. The concept of recycling glass um, is obviously one of those where you can talk about okay, it's it's maybe more harmful to do that. But with with the situation before where we're telling them they have to recycle versus throw it away, I think one of the things that we that is not necessarily thought out there is the intrinsic thought that everybody is good and is going to choose one of the two options. When the third option is is we just dump it out the car window. So. We obviously, you know, in talking about that legislation that you were just discussing with soda tax and, and, and other things, there, there's never going to be a perfect solution. And, and, you know, the example, the pure example of that, in my mind, is toll roads, which is something that's going to be discussed in Indiana uh, on, along with the use of interstates. And, and you can say, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to... to to drive these interstates at no cost, but there obviously is a cost that's associated with it because you've got to maintain it. And yet, you know, is that going to have that negative effect on the, on the byproduct for those of us that drive 1992 Jeeps that can't go 80 miles an hour and are using the two lane roads to travel, you know, back and forth to another community um, that most people would have gotten on the interstate for. And so, you know, are we going to force semis back onto the two-lane highways? Are we going to do something else? So I, I think that's a good discussion of what you're, you know, what you're looking at in the, in the frame of there's always going to be a backside to it. There's no perfect solution. Um, there's good ideas. One of the other ideas, and, and, it, um, and it does go back to the uh, – to the social media real quick and it and it, it kind of talks about and, and maybe we'll finish here for tonight it, it talks about a crisis response system and so all of the things that we've kind of been talking about one of the key concepts is open data and that means you know gis and and voting trends and and uh, information like uh, um report cards on on health inspections are always available for people to provide and whether they stick it on Yelp or whatever else there's there but so so going back to this social media based emergency alert um, was one thing that they said that every good city should have 
And, and I agree with that. And yet I go back to, um, and it goes back to that original discussion of it's nice to have those things, but how do you combine there's no one set social media platform or that everybody has. And so trying to reach as many people as possible is the guiding principle of open data, but it's hard to do when not everybody is talking in the same language. Well, I think that that's, again, casting the widest net and trying to figure out what is the best way to get your message in front of um, your community as, as fast as possible. And we're actually going down this road right now in Lincoln. Um, we're instituting or reinstituting, if you will, the Nixle program to send traffic updates and emergency updates and things like that to um, your cell phone and to your email so that it goes, you know, in real time, more or less, to um, to the recipients who've signed up for it. So it's a, it's a great tool, um, one that we hope that we don't have to take too often advantage of, but um, a good way to get in front of people. The social media aspect is is a, another good one, and I think that there's ways to do that. Um, but with it and things like Nixel, you have to be careful in how you craft the message because you don't want to start rioting or panics or things of that nature by you know using the lo- the wrong language. So it's it's a good tool, um, but it has to be used carefully um, to make sure that you get that correct message out and don't cause confusion or panic yeah and and i agree with you so um i i think those are the things and so is we're kind of wrapping this up for tonight and and it's been fun because i like kind of looking at these future technologies and thinking of both the the pros and 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 having uh having you come along and, and show me all the cons. Well, thanks. I'm, I'm the negative Nancy. About. I get that of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, am, you know, I, I think tonight you were, I think last week I might, or, I, I, I was, um, I was picking on millennials last time. So, uh, I, I think it is fun. And, and so, you know, as these technologies come about, I have true hope that smaller communities will be able to adapt them as, maybe not as quickly as the larger communities do, but to adapt them and utilize them as well as the larger communities do and do that with minimal cost um, up front. You know, that's the positive that comes out of this. Absolutely. That was, that was where I was going to go with this conversation is one phrase you used at the very beginning of this podcast that we probably should focus on more is that much of these or many of these apps are free to utilize either by the public or by a local government and we should be better about taking advantage of those maybe we don't have the app developers on staff but somebody else does and somebody might be willing to share it so one thing that we need to take better advantage of is that open data um, type mindset that many of us are in and try to hone that and fashion it to where we can use it on the local level because you're, I think the one thing that is, is a, an obstacle for us to overcome is that digital divide between larger communities and small communities and urban communities and rural communities, communities, but open data bridges that gap. It makes it a lot shorter than what maybe we realize. And not only will it, it bridge the gap and make it shorter for your population. I think the other driving is, and is that the folks who maybe grew up in your town and decided that they wanted to be in a large urban center are going to see the opportunity to come back once we start adapting those. And, you know, the rise of telecommunication, I think, will will continue to go. And so it goes back to you can live where you want, and it will allow us to focus on doing all of the quality of life things better because they'll have the advantage of living where they want, working somewhere else, but we've got to make sure that we show them 
through through the use of whether it's social media or doing some of these other things that we're just as savvy and I and I truly believe that I believe small towns are just as savvy as large ones um, in, in doing the things that they do and and so it it will showcase and make make the case that we're first class cities just as much as the large ones are and that will continue to go go on and will be the future of what is coming um, for for city management, for city living, for uh, people that are going to locate where they want to live. It's going to be interesting as we proceed through this podcast about the definition of a first-class city. Um, I'm not sure that we're ever going to really use a concrete definition to define what we believe the first class city to be. And I think it's going to be an ever moving target. That's just the thing that kept rolling through my head tonight is first class city can mean a lot of different things to, to a lot of different people. And it doesn't mean that even the large communities, the progressive communities or what have you are first class, but they may have something that they do that's first class. So I'm, as we go and all this unfolds, I think, I think we're going to go down a lot of different av- avenues that explore the first class city and whether or not it's achievable or if it's just a, a facet of what we do or I-, I I get more excited as we talk about it and we're almost I don't want to call us an, an investigatory type podcast but we're we're searching for an answer I don't know that the two of us have it I'd, and I'd love to hear from other people who think that they know what the first class city means or think that they have an example of what a first class city does and and let us know about it because i i think they can only help us in this discussion so you know first class cities at gmail.com and uh, at first class cities on twitter uh using the number first uh to to get to us we'd love to hear from you Absolutely, and uh, don't forget, as the old guy here, uh, uh, I use the Facebook uh, interface, so and it it's the same as our Twitter handle. It uses the uh, number one, uh, First Class Cities on Facebook, and so there's the other opportunity to connect with us. So, um, Clay, with that being said, it's been uh, great talking with you today, and uh, um, look forward to our next discussion and uh, I will let you know uh, prior whether or not we can get Gary on here to talk about uh, some of the 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 kitschy things we see in cities but it, it is going to be uh, it it's I'm telling you it's going to be one of the best podcasts that we that we do I firmly believe that if you um, say so I, <laughs> you can only stay tuned and find yeah, yeah, out yeah. And then we can argue about it so on social media <laughs> absolutely so but have a great uh, have a great day and uh, until next time uh, we'll talk soon